When it comes to wings, everyone knows size does matter. No one knows it better than Wings Etc. Grill and Pub in Niles. Wings Etc. has the biggest, meatiest, award-winning jumbo wings in town. Choose from a wide selection of signature wing sauces, including our crazy hot habanero wall sauce. If you love wings and a whole lot more, come to Wings Etc. Niles to watch your favorite sports all year long. Wings Etc. Niles, official game fuel for high school sports. Find us at 2008 South 11th Street in Niles or online at wingsetc.com. For the best in high school sports, RC Sportscaster. Welcome to the RC Sportscasting Podcast. Coach's Corner Edition for the 2023 season. We are... We've already completed week four already. Hard to believe that we're almost halfway through the high school football season for the regular season, but here we are as uh, we're going to be talking with Coach Shaw of the Niles Vikings, Coach Kinsey of the Brandywine Bobcats, and hopefully uh, Coach Fry of the Buchanan Bucks. Here live at Wings Etc., our gracious host for Coach's Corner this year. Let's go to the scoreboard from last Friday night. It was a tough one for the Brandywine Bobcats as they jumped out to a 12-6 lead, but then were unable to get in the end zone after that. Berrien Springs rallies to defeat Brandywine by the score of 26-12. The Niles Vikings, they put another 50-burger up on the scoreboard as they go up to Otsego and route Otsego by the score of 50-8. Buchanan suffered a heartbreaker as they def- they lose to Benton Harbor as the Tigers defeat the Buchanan Bucks 34-27. Edwardsburg makes it two in a row as they shut out Three Rivers 28 to nothing. How about the Dwajak Chieftains? They keep winning. They're red hot. They route Parchment 39 to 14. And one of the better game, two of the better games in the area, Waterville squeaks by Coloma 18 to 16. And a couple of local powerhouses, Schoolcraft and Constantine, it went to the Falcons as Constantine defeated Schoolcraft by the score of 27 to 21. Those are some of your scores from around the area last Friday night. And joining me now is the head coach of the Niles Vikings, Scott Shaw. Coach, this this 50 points is getting old, man. I mean, it's just one week after another, but wow, what another dominating performance by the Vikings, 50-8 to eight over Otsego. I guess it depends which side of the 50 you're on. You <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you're on our side, it's pretty nice. But, uh, uh, yeah, we had, uh, uh, we, you know, we had a little bit of a, of a uh, uh, kink in the armor there to begin with they they scored and went up 8-0 on us uh i think it kind of surprised us but uh one good thing that uh, we saw was that we came right back and we answered and uh <clears throat> answered for a touchdown and then answered for a two point to tie it so and then we had uh uh i don't want to say we had it our way but we made it our way uh the rest of the way so I think looking so far, I mean, obviously your offense is, is getting a lot of the attention but with the amount of points you're scoring, but you got to give your defense some credit, man. Your defense is, is really bringing the wood and, and got to be one of the best defensives from a defensive scoring standpoint. You guys are, are playing just as rock solid on defense as you are lighting it up on the scoreboard on offense. Yeah, they're playing well. They're, uh, you know, I, the, the good things that we do defensively are that uh, – uh, we're pretty quick, we're pretty strong, and we run to the ball. Uh, a lot of good things can happen if you, you know, if you hustle and you run to the ball and and you get there. Uh, 
you know, we're, we're tackling. We're, we're pretty good at tackling. You know, the one thing that they have been able to do, uh, I think it was able to do, they could go over our heads a little bit with the ball. So, uh, and that's just because I think our defensive backs are a little bit too aggressive coming down on the run and, and, uh, they need to, you know, they need to play from on top of routes and things like that. So, uh, we're working on that and we're getting better at that. And, uh, uh, you know, but defensively, yeah, we've, we've been strong. Kyle Michael's done a great job, uh, you know, putting those kids in positions to make plays and, uh, then they've, they've responded well. From a schematic standpoint on defense, Coach, do you come with the same scheme formation every week? Or I think a lot of times, you know, these days, depending on what style of offense you're playing against will dictate, you know, whether you run a 4-3 or a 5-3 or a 7-2. So what what do you predominantly hang your hat on, and what would make you change that? Well, we're a a 3-4, which is a uh, – the – the modern day version of the five two monster, which uh, you know, uh, Bo ran at Michigan for forever. Uh, but we we you know the, the reason we're in that is because primarily that's what type of kids we have. Uh, you know, I think uh, teams that bounce back and forth. You know, like a lot of people would like to play a four front, but they don't have enough linemen. A lot of people would like to play a, a three front, but they don't have enough linebackerish defensive back type. So. Uh, you know, we're, we, we like the three, I mean, the three down linemen and, the, and all the quickness that we can get on the field that way. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, that, that's what we feel most comfortable in. That's what we base out of. But everybody has an, an Edwardsburg and a pawpaw defense, you know, where, where you put the big guys in and, and uh, you try to slow them down a little bit. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see those two. And, uh, you know, what we're, we're – uh, uh, we, we just feel comfortable playing out of that and playing, letting our kids run, make plays, and uh, run people down. Is there any type of offense that you would go against where you would, might want to go to an odd front with a nose tackle? Well, we do. We're, we're all time with a nose. Okay. Uh, so we have a nose and two. Uh, Kyle calls them defensive ends. I call them defensive tackles. Okay. Uh, and then two outside, two outside stand-up backers, which uh, in the old 5-2 you know, was the defensive end type. But that, I mean, that has uh, – it's it's progressed because everybody's gone spread. You said three four. I I was thinking four three. Yeah. yeah. Pay att- pay attention, Rob. <laughs> because honestly, to be honest with you, there's not. I don't think there's a lot of high schools that run the three four. No. You know no. that. I mean, that's you see that a lot. You know, in the upper yeah. levels, but yeah. So I guess that's what kind of threw me. I just I, I automatically three no four three. That's why I asked for the nose well, tackle. But yeah, that's and this defense is good. The the the. The problem a lot of times is that outside linebacker is a linebacker type, and if he has to, if we see two double tights, both those kids have to line up on the tight end and be able to hold up. Uh, so so far we've been able to find those kids that can do that, and uh, uh, you know let the other kids let the other kids go. But has your def- how have you been on the turnover standpoint? Have you been creating a lot of turnovers from <coughs> either with the fumbles or interceptions? Yeah, two weeks ago against Three Rivers, we had uh, two interceptions, two pick sixes. Uh, so, you know, we got uh, 14 points out of the defense at that point. Uh, we, we've been pretty good this year. I mean, we're, we're on the plus side so far, uh, way plus, about takeaways versus giveaways. Uh, and even last week, 
we fumbled on offense, and a kid picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. So uh, if you can clean up your own mistakes that when, way. When you're hot, you're hot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Kind of like Marcus Freeman said, like, if we if we don't beat Notre Dame, right. we're going to be a pretty good football team. Right, right. I love that comment that he made after this, pat, this last week's win over Central Michigan. I, I think another question when, when I look at regardless of what side of the ball is, how – privileged are you with the numbers you have as far as you know most football coaches in a perfect world want to be in a two platoon where you have 11 different guys on offense and 11 different guys on on defense obviously you've got guys going both ways but how how is your ratio between how many guys do you have going both well, ways full timers we've got about three or four uh part timers we've got uh you know we, when we rotate through, we have a rotation on offense and we have a rotation on defense. So full-time guys and then, and then there's guys that uh, uh, will rotate back and forth, maybe get a two or three series of defense uh, if they're an offensive lineman and, and vice versa. So, uh, you know, but we have, we have some of those kids like Sam Rucker, he's hard to get off the field, uh, you know, as far as playing only one way. Uh, Julian means Fluell and it's hard to say, okay, you're going to, which, which way you're going to, which side you're going to play them on, you know? So guys like that got to play both sides. And, and especially with the, with the likes of like Rucker and his speed on the flip side too, you really, you can't really, I mean, I wouldn't say you afford, but you want to also have them on the special teams, at least from the return standpoint on kick return yeah. and punt return. Yep. So obviously kids like Rucker, they got to be in great shape. Yeah. And, and he works hard. Uh, uh, Juju works hard too, you know those kids that uh, and and really, you know by this time fourth the fourth game of the season they they've had four games they've kind of played themselves into, uh, and it's getting cooler now. So uh, I know we did have a few cramps the other night because it was warm, uh, or humid or something. But uh, we uh, you know we still had them, and uh, I'll be glad when. Those are a thing of the past. You know, you mentioned that last Friday. I don't think, like the second half, I thought the temperature plummeted. But yet, yes, we had the exact same thing at yeah. the Brandywine Bearing Game. On both sides, a lot of cramping. And I'm like, and we even made mention of it in the broadcast for the Brandywine Game. It's like, this feels like week one. It's like, why? And yeah. It had to have been the humidity factor, even though I, because like I said, I th- it was literally blue jeans and hoodie weather. Right. In, in the second half, once that sun went down and it got dark, it the temperature you know dropped into the low fifties yeah. easily, but people were still kids were still cramping. So like you said, it, it had to have been the humidity or something on yeah. Friday night because it was very odd to see that. And was it for you guys too on both sides? I mean, yeah, did Otsego yeah. and you both yeah. experience both, that as both, well? Both teams had some, and you know I think it, it it gets this temperature, and I think kids think okay, I it, I don't have to I don't have to. Uh, uh, drink as much anymore uh, just because it's cool and I'm not going to get cramps and all that stuff, but uh, they, they have to, you know, they, they just have to. So offensively, obviously, uh, you know, another 50 burger put up on the scoreboard. Got to assume from not watching the game myself, but uh, or should I, I mean, obviously we had Andy, our voice of the Vikings <laughs> was here visiting with you before we actually started. Um, Obviously, probably a lot of ground and a lot of your damage done on the ground last week. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think we had 397 yards uh, rushing. So, uh, and we took two knees at the end of the game, uh, or else we would have been over 400 yards rushing. So, uh, you know, but uh, mo- most of it was that. And I, 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 we had a good 
Talon Brawley uh, scored a couple touchdowns and had, he was our leading rusher as, from the quarterback spot last year or last week with about 120 yards. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. And Bra- Brawleys aren't supposed to be that fast. No, well, this one is. <laughs> yeah, faster than that. Anyway, uh, we uh, always see this. I mean, this is what we've been seeing that they're going to try to take. You know, we got three options in the triple option. Uh, they the last two weeks they've tried to take the pitch away, and uh, uh, last week they were just running up on the pitch, and Talon just kept it, and you know he got uh, got big yards, and whenever we need, I mean he averaged probably probably nine ten yards a, a carry, and and uh, scored from beyond twenty yards twice. So uh, he made great decisions, and and uh, you know our fullback w- was able to play uh, some. We got the we got the uh, ball to our wings. Uh, Juju by not the option, but just kind of like counter stuff. And uh, he broke off about a 70-yarder and uh, then about a 20-yarder on the same kind of play. So, Do you do your best as a play caller to make it a four-headed monster with the, with your ground game, with the quarterback and the fullback and, the, and your two wings? Well, you try how, to. How hard is that? You try to, but you can't say, okay, I want to call this play – to get Try, this. Trying to get it to the fullback this time. Correct. Uh, so you know, with with that the option being in play there, uh, you call things based on where they're at. Like last week, they were putting an extra guy to the field, so we ran into the boundary uh, for 400 yards. Uh, so, and again, they couldn't take all three of them away, especially with a guy out of the picture to the field side. So, uh, you know, it's just it's just you know you just it, it, it's a simple game, you know. It really is, uh, uh, for the most part. You know, if easier you, said than done. Well, <laughs> you know, if 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 your kids understand what you're trying to do, and and I understand what I'm seeing, and my coaches understand what they're telling me, uh, you know, things usually go pretty well. That's what, f- with me being a middle school coach now, I, I try. That's one of the things that I try my hardest is is you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Um, and, and just I want my players to just play and not overthink things. Um, but like I said, that's a lot of times that's easier said than done. Yeah. Um, how has it been trying to keep, obviously, so far so good because you're coming off of, of a dominating win over Three Rivers and then going into last week, to no disrespect to Otsego, but on paper I think everybody, you were predicted to, you know, the score wasn't really a surprise. I think a lot of people predicted that outcome, as well as probably a lot of your players. How has your players' mentality and work ethic been, like, say, last week in practice? Um, well, they're teenagers. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. They're going to be teenagers. Yeah, and, we, and, you know, we talk about that all the time, not losing sight of what we have to do in order to prepare and get ready. Uh, I, you know, and we talked about that all last week. So far, they've been pretty good, with the exception of that first drive that Otsego put together last week. In you know, I look up the clock and it's what uh, 10:30 left in the first quarter, and we're down 8-0 already. And uh, you know, I just we didn't panic. You know, that was the best thing about it, and we we responded well, and you know, we responded. I scored them 50-0 the rest of the rest of the game, but uh, they've done a pretty good job. And I, we just talked tonight about uh, being in a different mentality now. You know, we're we're kind of becoming the hunted rather than the hunters. So 
you know, and it's a different mentality in preparation. It's a different mentality in, in the way that you play and the way, different mentality in the way that people approach you. That I think because that underdog always brings – a little bit yeah. uh, puts a chip on your shoulder yeah. when you're the underdog, and now as you just hit it right in the head, that now now Niles doesn't really have the underdog card per se. Um, you're one of the top dogs, you know, as far as the conference goes. Now everybody's coming after you. Yeah. You you got now you're wearing the bullseye. Yeah, and you try to explain to a bunch of kids that uh, to our kids who really this is the first time being on top for these 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 this bunch of kids, not Niles in general, but right. this uh, this bunch of kids and try to explain to them that you're going to get everybody's best game now. Anybody that's on your schedule the rest of the way out, you guys are the, you guys are going to get their best game. So we have to rise up to that, uh, you know, that challenge as well. I have to ask, rewind one year ago, what was your attendance for away games versus probably <laughs> your following that you had last Friday up at Otsi that even made the long trip. Well, Otsi goes a long way away. Yes. I'll, I'll preface that. But I'm pretty confident <laughs> I'm pretty confident you had a good turnout of, of Viking Nation show. We, we did. We did. We really did. And, uh, you know, I thought our crowd at Lakeshore was fantastic. We filled uh, the visitor side there, and their side was full. And uh, I think I think at uh, Sturgis it'll be we'll, – we'll travel well, too. You know, what's great about uh, this is our student body is really getting into this. You know, they're getting excited, you know, having all these dress-up uh, different, uh, you know, costume-type deals, and and uh, they, they're they they're enjoying themselves, and I think the parents, and, you know, I, I, every day it seems I talk to somebody that says that, uh, you know, this is really fun watching you guys, which is, you know, one of the best compliments you can uh, get as a coach because uh, I've, you know, I've been placed, or there's been years when People said we can't stand watching you too. Right, so, uh, you know, but it's uh, it's fun, and I think kids are enjoying it. Have you also been getting maybe a little extra spectatorship, maybe like at the practice level where people pop in to watch, where you know sometimes not, or sometimes you know there, there's you're some, you're a coach, so you're probably in your zone, so you may not pay attention. But I, uh, I got to believe there's probably a, f- a few more spectators even just coming in to watch to just. To watch, see how you run practice. Yeah, well, you know, there, there is, uh, there's, there's some parents that come walking in and, and they and they watch, you know, uh, and they they know where the distance and where the boundaries are, you know. So I don't have a problem with that. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, and and this is when what I found is that that when if you make the playoffs and you make a run, that's when you get people that want to come in. And, oh yeah, and uh, kind of watch what 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 you do and. Uh, the same as us, you know, we go to places and watch what other people do and, you know, not necessarily to take anything away, but just, it, you know, that's the way I've always felt about going to a clinic. If I can bring one thing home, just one, then it's, a, it's you know, it's been a success. So so the Vikes improved to 3-1 and one on the <coughs> season and on the road again this week against a team that has been down for a couple of years, but looking at their scores, I think Sturgis is is back on the up, man. I mean, you know, back you know, ask Lonnie Jones. I mean, when during yeah. his playing days, I mean, that was that was one of Niles's rival games. I mean, that was a big nemesis, and obviously, you know, they got the one playoff win against them, uh, their first ever playoff victory in in school history against Sturgis. So there was a little bit of a of a rivalry going on there in, in the early to mid two thousands with Niles and Sturgis and. And I don't think they're back at the level that they were then, but I think they are improving. Oh, I think they're a lot better. Uh, you, you know, they've been they've been going up. You know, for years, when I was in Three Rivers, Sturgis was always a big opener for us. 
Uh, you know, the, 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 we played on Saturday so everybody could come watch, which I didn't necessarily like because everybody could come scout you at that point. Uh, you know, those were way before the days of huddle. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, they, uh, two years ago we beat them last year. They, you know, they, they surprised us and they, they're big kids. I mean, man, they're, they're really big. And last year they had one of the best at, they, well, they had the, uh, conference athlete of the year and, uh, in, uh, the Thompson kid. So, or, and, and he was good. He was, he was very fast and, uh, but, uh. Yeah, they're sneaky, and they're sneaky good. They, you know, they, nothing really jumps out at you on film until you see, oh, they've moved the ball 70 yards now. And, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, inside zone here, you know, little. little what, what offense do they run? They run a spread, but they run a lot of inside zone, power, counter, and they, they, they're not afraid to throw it. So, uh, you know, they throw it down the field. And, uh, uh, you know, athletically, I you, you know, I didn't know how good Plainwell was, but they beat them. You know, Kalamazoo, they played right with Kalamazoo Central. Uh, and, and Coldwater is not – they're not going to set the world on fire, at least recently. But, uh, you know, again, we, and we talk as coaches all the time. We don't really know how good anybody in our conference is, you know, because everybody's kind of a mishmash of scores and playing with people and getting beat by other people and, and stuff. So, uh, but – just by the fact that we lost to them last year, and we're shut out. Uh, that that's something. And we you're want to and you're going there on the road, right? Right. Which who knows? Not now you get into the type this time of year where now most generally you're on the road. You're good chance better than not that you're probably playing at their homecoming. Right. Yeah, so which yeah. then I'll, I mean I don't know if that's going to be the case, but once you get towards mid part of the season, your away games you're you're pretty much dealing with homecomings right. for every away game that you have at this point point of the season so a little extra hype um and mojo f- for the home team right how'd right. the jv how the jv squad do this past week Coach? they won uh, they won a kind of a thriller uh, 20 22 to 14 and uh held on and to, to win it and uh they're getting better they're I, getting better i gotta ask my my great friend mike nate bosco who obviously was the coach here for 14 years and you know he was he was diehard split back veer how has it been with him switching over to calling plays for the flexbone? Well, he's learning. He's learning. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it, 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 it's something new, and I think he's excited about uh, what we're doing and uh, what he gets to call. Now, you know, the 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 good and bad part is there are a lot of kids, but they don't have a lot of. Uh, they got a lot of linemen, but they don't have many skilled kids where we've got a lot of skilled kids but not many linemen. And uh, so, it's you know, they can't do everything that we're going to do. And, and uh, But he, he, I think he, he and Howard both are uh, enjoying it a lot. Well, best of luck to you um, making another long road trip. I mean, that's, that's Sturgis's another hour drive. Um, so that, that I, I think most people are more excited about going to Houghton now <laughs> over there than they are. To, Those are very few far in between. It's the only one left. Well, that's like that's yeah. like every time that we're from Brandywine, when, especially when we were in the last in the in the conference with Comstock and Parchment. Any time that we made a road trip to Comstock or Parchment, you had to stop at Godfather's Pizza, right? Because that right. seems like that's the only Godfather's left in a hundred mile radius. Yeah. Yeah. That they still have up there, uh, there on the on the northeast side of Kalamazoo. So, um, once again, best of luck to you, 
And uh, we look forward to talking about another Niles victory here next week at Wings. I hope so. Thanks a lot. You bet. Scott Shaw, the head coach of the Niles Vikings. We will take a break. We will come back, and we will talk Bobcat football in the township with Coach Kinsey right after this. <laughs> Coach's Corner live at Wings Etc. here in the RC Sportscasting Podcast. We'll be right back. When it comes to wings, everyone knows size does matter. No one knows it better than Wings Etc. Grill and Pub in Niles. Wings Etc. has the biggest, meatiest, award-winning jumbo wings in town. Choose from a wide selection of signature wing sauces, including our crazy hot habanero wall sauce. If you love wings and a whole lot more, come to Wings Etc. Niles to watch your favorite sports all year long. Wings Etc. Niles, official game fuel for high school sports. Find us at 2008 South 11th Street in Niles or online at wingsetc.com. And we are back live here at Wings Etc. Coach's Corner as we just got done talking to Coach Shaw as the Vikings were victorious again and improved to 3-1 and one on the season. And joining us now, we're going to do something a little different, um, which I don't think we've ever done before, at least even back in the, in the RC days. But uh, being that this week's a little special for both Brandywine and Buchanan because we play each other. It's the game, as we'd like to to uh, say. So we're going to actually, we've got both Coach Justin Kinsey of Brandywine and Coach Mark Fry of Buchanan both here. So we're initially, we're going to kind of ping pong back and forth and talk about their respective games last week. Um, and then we'll uh, get together and, and we'll kind of have some discussions about what's coming up for this week. But um, first for Coach Kinsey, um, another tough loss for the Bobcats. I think it was another game where I, I think we made a lot of, of plays on the field um, and just some miscues and shot ourselves in the foots at a couple here and there. But, you know, to come out and, and lose Barry in 26-12, to 12, that was a tough one. You know, but on the flip side, a lot of exciting things happened on Friday night. Yeah, again, um, you know, it, it, it's a tough one. I know I'm getting tired of moral victories. Um, you know, we played tough to a – I mean, on paper, Barry should beat Brandywine – Every year, it, it should. Uh, they're they're a bigger school. They're a bigger team. They're bigger kids. They've got you know more resources. Um, but yeah, just you know, we're not in the business of moral victories and kind of looking back and you know seeing a play here and there and realizing you know really we, we we let one slip away. It's it's really frustrating and especially for it to happen you know two weeks now back to back. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely it's a tough one. Um, I know we were dealing with a lot of injuries. We had some kids out. Uh, we had one of our one of our starters suspended, and we ended up by the second half we were down two starting guards. And you know those in this triple option offense, the guard center guard are such an important piece of what you do. And you know to be down to, to two backups is it was definitely a tough situation. Our uh, our play sheet got real thin in the in the second half. Uh, but you know God bless the kids. They. Uh, they still executed. They played hard. We still did some awesome things. Uh, we put up some really nice numbers on offense. Uh, yeah, but still just, just really frustrating. And we'll bring in Coach Mark Fry for the Buchanan Bucks. And, and Coach, very symbolic for you as well, a very hard-fought game. You had to go up to Benton Harbor to take on a, a very much improved Benton Harbor team. It's not the, the, the Benton Tar Harbor team that we've been accustomed to seeing the last hour. I mean, we I think we both – both you guys noticed that last year, how much of an improvement they had just from two years ago. You guys go up there and, and suffer a tough one, 34-27. Yeah, it was, a, it was a battle all night long. Felt like it was a boxing match. Um, they score first, score second, you know, and, and I think our guys were a little shocked by that. I think we came in a little too 
too big headed, I think, at times, and that we thought we were just going to come in and do what we do. And uh, they came out swinging, and they do really good. They got 16 solid seniors, some really giant guys on the D line. Um, so we fought back. We uh, had to go a different little game plan because with those guys being so big inside, uh, we had to start throwing around a little bit more than we anticipated. Uh, but our young quarterback stepped up and, and delivered a heck of a night, broke one record, top five and a couple other records. So, you know, it's not a not a loss you want to have, uh, but I think our guys see now that, you know, they're just going to have to do their job all the time. I think both of you can, can attest that when you do lose, you know, I think the most important thing is that you learn from that. Coach Fry, what, what, did, what did Buchanan learn from their loss last week to Benton Harbor? I think just making sure you're making your tackles when you're supposed to. I think we had about 35 missed tackles, which is never going to you know, produce good numbers. But uh, just being consistent and knowing that the game's not over. I think we got down three scores and quickly got back in it real quick. Uh, you know, score, onside score, and next thing you know, you're the, we see the belief again. And so just knowing when you're, you're not out of it, so you're out of it. Justin, what did Bob, what Bobcats learn last week? Well, I mean, what would, what would be the biggest thing that you think you got out of from, from a learning from a loss moving yeah. forward? No, I think probably the, the big thing that we learned is, you know, especially just coming from, you know, being such a small school, such a small roster. Um, I think that we, we thought, and maybe a little bit of, his, a little bit of it is, is hubris, uh, you know, we thought that we could still go out and we could execute and just do the same things we always do without a couple of key pieces. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I wish we would have spent a little bit more time in practice that week, maybe kind of planning for like, okay, if we're unable to do the things we normally do, here's our plan A, here's our plan B, here's our plan C. Um, yeah, that, that falls on coaching staff. We just, you know, we, we, we didn't really have a, uh, if our normal stuff didn't work, what can we lean on instead? Uh, we didn't really have a plan for that. So I think we learned that we need to be, we, we need to, to, to have a plan A and a plan B, but we need to spend a little bit more time, you know, focusing on the, those plan C's and plan D's as well. Looking at Friday night and calling the game, um, I think what even makes it, was a, a harder loss was, you know, this wasn't a game where, you know, Barron was, you know, up 26 nothing and, and then we scored a couple late garbage touchdowns. We got off to one of the best starts that I've seen this team have in the last couple of years, especially from the offensive standpoint. Um, I mean, what, fourth play of the game, Brock Dye takes it to the house for 40 yards, and then we get them three and out, get the ball right back. Um, you know, unfortunately then Brock, you know, had the fumble. It was a scoop and score. But then he, he totally redeems himself, and then he comes right back with the, with the nice little pass play. Um, and we're not used to the little – We don't you don't see a lot of yak at Brandywine yards after catch. You know, normally it's, it's, the, it's the long – we're used to the long bombs to, to Shane Brown or to Austin Searles. I mean, we're, that's always been kind of Brandywine's mojo from an aerial assault was, is, you know, long passes down the air, not a little dump off into the flats. But what a, what a play that was for Brock because not only did he make an unbelievable spin move, then he trucks a guy, and then he's just off for the races. And he literally, <laughs> I joked on the broadcast, Brock literally accounted for the first 18 points of the game. Unfortunately, six of them were for Barian. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, But to erase that, the two plays that he did, I could not have been happier for him because if there, if there was a kid that needed – some confidence and to have a breakout game like that is Brock Dye. 
Oh, for sure. And I think, too, you know, one thing about, you know, the situation that we've been in is we had a lot of mouths that we needed to feed. Um, And so, you know, we have a lot of really talented athletes who we need to have with the ball in their hands. And all season long, Brock has been a guy that, you know what, he's just he's happy to do what he can to, to help the team out. He's happy to go out there and block. He's happy to go out there and put his body on the line. And I all week long, I told him, I was like, Brock, you are one of our best athletes. Like, I have got to get you more involved in the offense and that was we went in this week and we knew you know every every defense is going to account for for Sebecki um, you know obviously everybody knows Roberts and Warfield the explosives that they that they bring um, and so being able to kind of remind everybody hey you know Brock dies Brock dies pretty good too and he was one of those situations uh, to, to put it into an analogy that the Brandywine folks will understand it's like during a basketball game when you get a kid that just cannot miss you got to feed that kid right that's kind of where we were at on Friday night it's like we gotta we gotta feed this kid like everything he's doing is gold he just he's breaking tackles left and right he's making great decisions the one reception he had I I thought for sure he was down he had three guys that just firemen pulled right off of him and he just squirted out the other side and housed it it was it was just everything he did was gold and so we just kept feeding him the rock Mark going back to you you may mention you were down three scores and for you guys to be able to come I mean when no no pun intended, but when normally when a tiger smells blood, you know, they, they, they get pretty vicious. And for, to go up against a team like Benton Harbor and their athleticism and to be down three scores and for you to come back to that because they obviously smell blood and for you to be able to stop the bleeding, that, that's an attribute to not only your players but your staff. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a nice little bounce back. You know, we just ran out of time. I think it's very similar to last year with Niles. You know, start figuring out what's working and you just kind of gas out of there at the end. But, uh, yeah, our guys really bought in. You know, like Coach said, you've just got a lot of mouths to feed. So I think every receiver had about three or four catches at that point, and everyone, I think, scored. So it was nice to see our receivers kind of getting in the end zone and find a little confidence there too because I think that was part of it. So it sounds like, well, of course, obviously if you're down three scores, you you as a play caller, you, you kind of have to go to the aerial attack, don't you, versus oh, yeah. on the ground. It was, uh, I think, after the first series of the third quarter, we stopped running the ball. <laughs> I mean, we threw 38 passes and, and completed 22, so 59% is not a bad night for a young quarterback. Well, we've talked before, and, and Coach Kinsey knows no different, either do I from, you know, Anytime we had to play you, I mean, we know that you'll come at with 67 different offensive formations and you'll throw everything but the kitchen sink. You really remind me a lot of, I remember when I first started uh, broadcasting in the early, you know, Coloma used to be that way. They would throw every freaking offensive formation at you. And it's like, oh, my God, how in the world? You don't, there's no way you have enough time in that week of practice, you know, to simulate all that. Um, as you said, a lot of it, though, is, you know, you you might be running some of the very similar plays. You're just disguising it in a different formation. Um, but still, um, how hard is that for, I mean, like, with, with your who's your quarterback? Uh, Jake Franklin. So, obviously, when you know, I mean, so now Benton Harbor knows you're throwing. So, they got to be teeing off. So, that puts ex- extra pressure on your offensive line because now they're kind of coming – but obviously he had to have a great game to be able to connect, even though Benton Harbor knowing that you're going to throw the football. Yeah, he grew up a lot. He uh, made through a lot of his progressions, you know, before the game. I think in the other games it was more just like catch that throw. It, throw where coach told me to throw. And that night we saw a lot of progression reads moving from the first target to the second to even the third. 
Um, he did get sacked one time, which caused our, his only turnover. He got hit when he was throwing the pick. And so um, I think we get that one back, you know, may not even – it might have been an overtime game. So who knows? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first time Buchanan's played at Benton Harbor? If we played there, it hasn't been there since I've been there. Yeah. Uh, we've only played them, I think, three times in school history and two of them were home. So, so I got to ask you, I mean, we obviously experienced it for the first firsthand last year. It, it's a completely, I mean, it, it's a great environment, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah. it's different, you know. It's a phenomenal stadium. It is. And, and I think that I was kind of surprised last year when we were up there, cause see, for the longest time, they would have both teams on the far sideline where there's no bleachers, you know, to keep because a lot of times you you just have the riffraff, you know, with the general public. And there was a little of that last year in our game, you know, and yep. so <laughs> but they're still they still keep now Benton Harbor on, you know, their own side with the bleachers, but just just tell us about your experiences in, in that type of an environment. Yeah. Well, as coach knows, we're both Indiana guys. It has a lot of rice field feel to it. And being that I'm from Elkhart, it kind of felt like home actually. Um, uh, you know, they got their loud drums. They're banging around out there. Yes. Um, I think the biggest thing that's weird for us is we've had to play back-to-back games where it's, like, dead silent, I mean, on our sideline. Right, because so you, no have, you have no bleachers yeah. on your that, – that's part of what <coughs> yeah. I'm trying to get yeah. at is that at Benton Harbor, like I said, they're on the, on the visitor sidelines. There's no bleachers at all. You just – you have swampland, I think, back behind you. And like you said, it's dead quiet to where – all the spectators have to sit on the one side of the field. Yeah, and it's it's hard to gauge your emotional, you know. I mean, it's a definite home field advantage for them because the, every crowd member sounds like it's for them. And yeah. so whether you do good or bad, you can't tell if it's for you or not. I've always treasured going to Benton Harbor, whether it's for a football game or a basketball. I mean, that's what I've, you know, told people. If you can't appreciate the history of Benton Harbor, especially from the basketball standpoint in that gymnasium and, and the amount of athletes that have gone through there and have played there that have gone on. But really the same with football as well. I mean, Benton Harbor's put a couple of kids into the NFL, you know, as of recently as, as Joyke Bell, who had a great career with the Detroit Lions. But there are people there. I remember the first game I ever broadcasted at Benton Harbor. We walked in there. They had like four different crock pots of chili. I mean, they had a complete full smorgasbord. And the people were, I mean, super, super nice people up there. Yeah. No, I was the first class institution in terms of football and basketball um their ad came right down i I noticed their field is in beautiful condition uh they have a much larger practice field than i even have so it's it's a nice facility for sure speaking of field conditions coach kinsey i made the comment in the broadcast i don't think i've ever seen selge field look as good as it did last friday that field i mean unless it was deceiving from the press box but from our view that's that's one of the best conditions I've ever seen Selge Field in. Yeah, I tell you what, I know we've done some work uh, over the last two years. Obviously, we had the little trench that was running the, along the... The quagmire uh, is yeah. gone. Now, personally, like, that's okay. I'll run right in that thing. Um, but I know they've done a really good job fixing that up. Uh, you know, hats off to the grounds crew. And I know it's it's ironic because, obviously, now we have Pop Warner that's playing there three games a week. We got middle school. Like, the more football that's being played, you know, what is the old old adage that us old ball coaches say that the, what is the blood and the sweat feeds the grass? Like, it's 
it's true. The more, hey, the more we play football on this thing, the better it gets. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's the, the facility has been absolutely fantastic. Um, whatever uh, Mr. Seidenbender, Dave Seidenbender, our athletic director, and the groundskeepers have been working on the last two years, it's, it, uh, again, I know the push for turf is there, but it, uh, that's a really fantastic grass surface. It really is. Well, he's not a sponsor of, of Brandywine football and RC sports casting, but I'm going to give him props anyway. He's a good friend of mine, and he's a Brandywine grad. He's a Hall of Famer. Jared Owens from Owens Lawn Care. They're the ones that take, I think, deserve a lot of the credit um, in what, how that field looks right now. Yeah, it looks fantastic. It's a great place to play. And I know I love even, you know, uh, on Sunday we, we have hosted a couple of Pop Warner games, and it's so great to, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a hill, and so when you walk into Brandywine, you kind of go over the crest of the hill, and then you see Selge Field before you. And it was really cool to sit there and hear people from Valparaiso and Cherville as they're going over the hill like, wow, what a great setting for football. We got the trees surrounding the whole thing. It's kind of set in a valley. It is just Gosh, it's a fantastic place to play football. My favorite, one of my favorite things coaching there is, and now coaching middle school again, is last week was our first game of the year, and it was at home. And I took them all down before the game, before even pregame, and I took them down to Nate's Rock. Mm -hmm. And I explained to them what it all represented. Um, so that's always because that's, that's becoming a, a really good tr tradition um, that I'm very proud of, and I know Nate would be. Um, yeah. So that's... Are, are the Pop Warner kids embracing Nate's Rock as well? So they they aren't, uh, but that's <laughs> a, a lot of that. They they kind of stay on the as field. long as they don't sit on there. That's yeah, all. That's no. all we care about. Yeah, no, they're uh, you know Pop Warner. It's they're kind of on the sideline. There's really not much of a run on of any kind. Um, so it is it's it, it is a cool thing. It's a cool tradition. I know this year, um, you know, thanks to Chuck Freebie from Forty Six Sports, he sent me a DM on Twitter and he's like, you know, you're gonna have some kid tearing ACL running down that hill one of these years. You're right. Uh, so now now we we kind of start at the rock and run from there. Like you know, if I'm not Clemson, where we don't I don't want to see a whole bunch of guys running and jumping down a massive hill onto the field and then see somebody get rolled. And God knows it'd be one of my linemen that would take half my team out. And next thing you know, I've got all my JV freshmen start because we got hurt running down the hill. Yeah, so we, we edited that tradition a little bit. So we start at the rock now and run from there. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely it's, it's cool to, uh, to just kind of embrace that tradition and kind of pay homage to, uh, you know, the things that make Brandywine great. Um, and, again, that just kind of goes down to what Brandywine is. You know, we're not. We're not a town. There's nothing on a map that says Brandywine. We are a community that is completely built around the school, and the athletics is such a big part of that. So it's just cool to, to, to be able to pay homage to, to that tradition. Coach Fry, um, some of the traditions there at Memorial Field. First off, you got to have a hell of a conditioned team because you got one of the longest walks in high school football. I think from your locker room, not only from just the distance, then you got to go down that long stairway, you know, to get down to the field. That's one of the unique things that stand out as me. But what are some of the things that your kid, like, what's a Buchanan football player? 20 years later going to come back and say, oh, man, I missed this part of, uh, of a home game. I, I think it's the same thing. I think when you go down the stairs and then you get built up right there at the bottom, and usually we have some sort of tunnel created. Like this week, it's going to be all our youth kids. So every week we kind of have a theme when it's a home game. You know, we had the Galeen night. We had the youth league. And so, you know, building that tunnel out there, with whether it's the band or the cheerleaders or whatever, I think the kids really embrace that. Real quick, before we get into uh, this week's matchup with both of you, our Red Bud Buchanan Fitness player, 
our Redbud Fitness player of the game is? I'm going to go with our quarterback, Jake Franklin. He had a heck of a night and got us out of a hole, and he distributed the ball real well. I was at Redbud Fitness the other day and was talking to Renee, and I was telling her about that. And I said, well, I go – I said, it's a good thing that you don't have to give out anything special because I said Coach Fry nominated his entire offensive line for his – for, but she may be reaching out to you because I think that they may actually want to do something. Okay. Um, but uh, but so they'd um, probably take a nice bath if they're giving it out. <laughs> I will mention that to her. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. It's it's time we we talk. We're we're gonna move on. There's you know we we've both coming off of losses, um, and now it's there, there's zero. Well, there better not be any zero extra needed motivation needed, um, and I'm sure everything was a little different today in practice for both of you guys, knowing what's in store on Friday. Mark, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, every time you get geared up for rivalry week, I don't think there's a lot that needs to be said, and if it does, like you said, then that's a problem. Um, I think our guys have a lot of respect for their opponent, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's still your neighbor, and so you want to fight them as hard as you can. Justin, I think, too, and really for both of you, coming off of a loss, you know, and, and, and in our case, we're one and three. I mean, we're, we're, we're a little down, but, I mean, I think – I don't think you could have placed this game at any better time because you, you don't have to worry – at least we better not have to worry about kids, you know, kind of falling back and kind of putting it in the tank on a one and three season. They got the Bucks Friday night. So, I mean, that that's that, – to me, that's got to be, I think the timing of this, really probably for both of you, couldn't be better. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, you know, we're two programs that really both need this win. Um, and, again, just, you know, because these these guys know each other, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm not from the area, so a lot of times I'll mention, you know, oh, so-and-so looks really good, and somebody will chime in, oh, that's so-and-so. I have him in shared time classes. And it's funny because these guys do just, they so intimately know one another. It really is brothers versus brothers. It isn't just, you know, two different communities. There's two different communities, and thanks to the way that Barry and, Barry and Risa, our, our, our school um, regional education service agency, works, you know, a lot of these guys have classes together and they see each other on a regular basis. They might see each other more than they see some of their teammates and classmates. Uh, it just, it really makes for a very unique situation. We were kind of the same thing with Barry and Springs last week that after the game, you know, our kids are all taking pictures with each other on the field afterwards. It's, it's kind of neat to, to, to be a part of a rivalry like that. I think too, I think you both agree in today's era with social media and all the phone devices you know, I think a lot of it, there's, it, it kind of takes away maybe for a little bit of the buildup on Friday night because these, I know better, your kids and your kids, they're both going to be on Snapchat and whatever other, they're going to be talking all their trash all week on their phones versus saving it all up. For, yeah. I mean, still, there's, there's going to be a lot of talking <laughs> come Friday night, but I still think it kind of filters it out a little bit and takes away, a little, at least from the pregame aspect of it. Yeah I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I actually think it's our student sections that are the more ruthless. You're, you're, <laughs> I was going to say. You are say, absolutely right. right. Yeah. If anything, it's almost like our, our non-football players do all the chirping, and then our football players are almost like embarrassed, toning it down, like, hey, guys, come on, let's uh, let's not give them any locker room material. It really is this, It's the student sections that really kind of keep it going as intense as it is. Coach Fry, what – is there anything that stands out to you since you've been here where uh, or a moment or a game or anything that where you where you saw that this this game is just a little different 
it means just a little. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm sure Coach felt this way too last year. It's like the first one is always the one that like surprises you because you're like, you know, you're like, oh, rivalry. Especially week. and no disrespect, but both yeah. of you, neither one of you. I mean, you yeah. did not graduate from Buchanan. You didn't graduate from Brandywine. So yeah, I mean, you're kind of outsiders now running these programs. Yeah, you know, when you walk in, you're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a rivalry game. You know, we'll be all right. And you get out there and like, you got fans yelling at you. You got, <laughs> you got kids cussing at you. Like, man, this is crazy. And I mean, like, and it's always been a battle. I mean, we've played each other, I think, five times now since I've been here because we played twice one year, and every single one except the playoff game was a battle. Yeah, I don't mean, remind me about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think, I think really we were about one score in every one. I mean, the first year when you guys were undefeated, we kind of hung with you until the fourth quarter and just got tired and couldn't keep up. Coach, for you, what what is there is there a moment that it really? Something clicked that oh this is this is different. Yeah, and I think you know again coming from uh, coming from Indiana, I I spent a large portion of my life in probably one of the greatest yes. rivalries in the Midwest, if not the nation, which is the Holy War, Mishawaka Marion versus uh, South Bend Saint Joe. Um, but like at the end of that of, at the end of that game, you know the the two teams come together and they pray together, and like I thought to like I remember I walk out there with my eyes wide open like if I try to like get these teams together like there's gonna be a fist fight like this is like heated heated, um, yeah it was it was definitely it was an eye opening experience it felt very Hatfield and McCoy. Um, yeah, I was I was kind of I, I hate to admit it but I was a little rattled at first. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun at the end. I thought, you know, especially as as heated as it gets, kind of reminds me of a Stanley Cup game. You know, no matter how many punches are thrown and how dirty it gets when the game's over, there's there's a legitimate handshake line of uh, of trust and respect. And I think that you know the players, at least on the field, there's a camaraderie there that you know maybe the uh, maybe the communities don't necessarily share. Uh, but the guys on the field, it, it it definitely it means something different to those guys. And I thought that was. Yeah, that was the last year. Last year's experience was definitely an eye opener for me. I think every year there's it's a little different because I think you know one year you're gonna. I mean, most generally the communities themselves or, or the parents might be at more of a, of a tension. There's other going to be years where there is going to be legit tension between players, bad blood. Um, there's even been years where there's been bad blood with coaches. I mean, I've been part of some very heated coaching <coughs> exchanges. Um, after games, so not with you, not with your staff, uh, but um, so I mean, it just seems like. Every, but then, so I mean, I've seen it to where I've seen players get into it. Um, I've also seen, as I just mentioned, where if coaches have had altercations after games, and then I've also seen the ugliest of it to where parents are wanting to rumble in front of our locker room, you know, after a game. So I've seen it all, um, but at the same time, I mean. In my situation, growing up with my dad and, and watching not only the Niles but Buchanan, I mean, I've had to be the voice of all three schools. And there's so many great, even though I'm a Brandywine guy now and I'm a Brandywine dad, I have so, there's so many great people from Buchanan that, you know, I just can't, you know, f for me, it's, it's, I'm in a unique situation. But there's, and, and I know there's the same way on the Buchanan side, there's, there's a lot of, Mutual respect. I think there's just as much love and respect, but you just don't sometimes see that. Well, yeah, I mean, seeing uh, Brock score twice. I had Brock in our sports med program here last year and just getting to know the kid there last year and I know his mom from work and 
So seeing him score twice, I felt really happy to see that kid have some success because I know that uh, he's not always the ball carrier and, and, you know, he's got a lot of miles to feed. So seeing him do that. But on the flip side, I'm like, okay, now i got to stop Brock. <laughs> Let's talk about this. So, Coach Fry, as you look at tape, what do you feel that you have to do to stop Coach Kinsey and the Brandywine Bobcats Friday night? Coach runs a nice system. I ran a triple option when I was out in Iowa at the college level, and so seeing what he's doing, I know he knows his stuff, and so I'm out there running the prep squad as if I was coaching the option again, uh, just trying to mimic him as much as possible. Um, you know, they do a nice job with unbalanced, and they do some nice things with, you know, the guys retracting their motion. Uh, so, I'm, you know, they've got a lot of things we've got to work on this week. Coach Kinsey, what do you have to do watching film to stop Coach Fry and the Buchanan Bucks? Uh, he's got a lot of athletes. Um, I know, you know, it's we definitely deal with at, at Brandywine. We've got a lot of kids that are athletes who might not consider themselves football players first. Um, Buchanan has a lot of football players. Those are kids that they want to hit you. They want to, you know, they, they want to punch you in the mouth. They want to block you. They want to hit A gap. They want to hit B gap. But then they also have the athleticism to uh, to, to get to the, the perimeter really quickly. Uh, so to stop Buchanan, we just, we've got to be disciplined because we're going up against a really, really good football team. Uh, so our guys have got to be disciplined. They've got to be smart. We've got to be able to adjust on the fly. Obviously, it's a huge game for both of you away from the rivalry, just from Coming, both coming off losses, uh, huge as far as Lakeland Conference standings. I mean, both of you are kind of a, in a must-win situation, you know, in, in, in the conference standings as well. It's, it's a very weird year in the conference. Yes. I, mean, I can't get a vibe on it. Every score I read on Friday night, I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah right now I'm scared to death of Dwajak. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's like you never know what you're going to get, and I think this week is going to be nice to see them – Dwajak play Benton Harbor, see how how they actually stack up. And, you know, it's always nice to see us three all kind of battling for that second, third spot, just seeing what we got right now. But the Lakeland's tough. I mean, on top of it, we have great facilities, like you said earlier, but it's a tough place to play. Everyone's got one or two giants on their team, and you got to try to run away from them and, and catch the fast guys. Is it going to be homecoming for you guys this week? Uh, I wanted it to be. I, I bet got, you did. I got vetoed. Uh, T-shirts can't get here in time quick enough, I guess. So uh, <laughs> that was my decision. But, you know, we'll push it back, I guess. I've mentioned this before. I, we even, Terry Bohr and I even talked about this in the broadcast um, on Friday night. And I don't know if if you know this story, but back in 1990, the fall of 1990, um, huge game between Brandywine and Buchanan. Uh, Buchanan was on a huge winning streak, and their last loss was X number of games it was to Brandywine. And then at the other end, now they're – I'm wanting to say – well, it couldn't have been more than eight or nine because it would have played every year. But basically, they went into the game where Buchanan was – their last loss was to Brandywine the year before, and I think it might have even been the second-to-last game of the year. I'm not sure. But it was at Buchanan, your homecoming – and they were doing a big homecoming parade through downtown Buchanan. Brandywine School Bus is coming to the game, and by legit freak accident, they, the bus makes a wrong turn and gets into the parade. So as you're in downtown Buchanan, here comes the senior float. Here comes the junior float, Brandywine team bus, and then the freshman float. And everybody in Buchanan obviously thought that 
Brandywine, Buchanan thought that Brandywine did that intentionally. Um, and then it just made for it. So that, that fueled everything. And then when he got to the game itself, um, I believe uh, Brandywine fumbled the opening kickoff. Buchanan scored. Uh, but then Brandywine went on to win. I believe it was 14-7. to So they were on the bookends um, of, of that big winning streak that Buchanan had. So The irony in that is no one's talking about how the coach is probably irate on the bus right now, how they're going to be late because <laughs> they're oh, stuck in a parade. I don't want to talk about bus rides right now. <laughs> well, I know Coach Kinsey. He'll probably leave Brandywine. Even though it's a 15-minute drive, he'll probably leave at 4 o'clock. On Friday, so I like to be there early. I like to beat you to the field. That's, went, that's a Reggie Glan thing. We went to Cass when we played Cass a couple weeks ago. We show up and the, at like four fifteen, and you guys were already gone. I'm like, dude, Cass is like twenty minutes away. Why nope. you leave it so early? Nope. That is a tip of the hat to my old mentor uh, Reggie Glan, who's now at Trenton. We went to a scrimmage once at Northwood, and we got there so early they were still lining the field, and we had to wait to go out and warm up for the the. The, the guys to get done painting the field. So that's a Reggie Glan thing. I like to be on the field early. Coach, get away from the Brandywine. I got to ask you real quick. You made the road trip to Trine this past Saturday to see Michael Palmer. Yes. Uh, how was that? Oh, that was so fantastic. Again, like that's one of the things, again, like off the football field, you know, there's what, eight coaches in, in the state of Michigan that are going to win their last game um, or, you know, well, the playoff game anyways. Um, what we do is all about trying to get these guys opportunities at the next level, trying to see these guys become, you know, wonderful members of society and good husbands and good fathers. And, you know, Michael Palmer is one of those guys that it's just impossible to not cheer for. Uh, so it was awesome to not just be there to support him, but he actually had, he had some nice plays. He yes, had two, he, did. he had two returns, one of which he put his shoulder down and it was funny because the, the return team was set up to go right. And then he went against the grain to go left. And it was just like, Oh, typical Mike. It's going to work out for him, and sure enough, it did. It's like he's going to do his own thing, and it's going to somehow magically work out because that's the way Mike's life has always been, and it did. He had a heck of a return, and it was just it was really cool. Uh, even, I think, in the end of the first quarter, he saw us sitting in the stands and gave a big wave, that big smile. You can always see those big, huge white teeth. Uh, it was really, really cool. I know I'm going up to uh, Hope in Holland on Saturday, and I'm going to see Phil McLaurin uh, there up there this weekend. So I'm really excited. Just I, I, It's all about you know trying to, to – to support these young guys as they go on and do bigger and better things and hopefully be much more successful, better men than me. So, Speaking of Michael individually, I mean, you got to just know him this last year. I've known the kid since he was in elementary school, and, and I made this comment last year when he was a senior. There's, As a coach, there, there's, there's certain kids that come through. Now, obviously, us as coaches, we always want to have an impact on the kids. But there's certain kids that come through that have an impact on you, and Michael was definitely one of those kids. And, and coach, I'm sure you you've got plenty. You've you've got a handful of kids that that you can say the same for for Buchanan players also. Absolutely, you know, you know, I've been a head coach for ten years now, and it seems like the list just keeps growing every year with new names to put on it. With that, you just hope that they go and do amazing things, and they usually do. Um, I don't, you know, like I said, you know, I think of one of those unique opportunities of getting invited to kids' weddings. I think that's really special. Uh, actually, when we had my my, my son, he's going to be two years old now. Uh, when he was born, one of my players who works for the NFL football, Wilson Football Factory, sent me a football with my kid's picture on it. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's real special when you get to make those connections with kids. For sure. Coach, how was today in practice? 
It was good. It was definitely good. I know, um, you know, being a small school with a small roster, we are, uh, you know, it's always, I, I always think back, um, again, using an analogy, I had a border collie once that when she started to get old, she had kind of arthritis, and the vet would always say, like, you can't give her aspirin because she needs to know when she's hurt. If she doesn't know she's hurt, she's going to end up tearing something going for a Frisbee. So today at practice was kind of the same boat. Like, these guys are so fired up and they're so amped up. They just want to go full pads and just hit each other for two hours for the next three days. And it's like, we can't do that. That would be that would be very bad. That would be a poor, poor decision on our part. So it's like, you got to give them enough to keep them happy but you also have to like you know do enough to make sure that they're staying healthy and not burning themselves out before we get to Friday uh, but it was yeah the the intensity was there the guys are the guys are pushing us as a staff even to, to do more they want to they, they, they want to be more physical they want to go a little faster hey can we stay later we can't we share a field you know we got to be off here by a certain time uh, but yeah there's the, the focus is definitely there how about you coach how was uh, practice today uh, we installed our 23 new formations and eight trick plays, so we're, we're really excited for it. I'm just kidding. Same thing. We're three uh, by two know, empty now, yeah, by the way, know, so start practicing good. for um, that. You know, energy level's high. Kids are there. Um, you're not getting to the midseason grind where people are starting to disappear or anything like that yet, so that's really good. Um, senior leadership is a lot higher than it was last week, so we're I think we're on the right track to bouncing back. i got to ask you both. Scott Shaw and I talked about this, and, and obviously we talked about it on the broadcast uh, last Friday. What was with all the cramps on both sides? I mean, it felt like week one. Did you guys experience the same thing? Yeah, we had three. I mean, the temperature plummeted. <coughs> no. I guess that's what really threw that's me was, was because the temperature plummeted in the second half, and I'm like, yeah. man, but it looked. you would have thought it was week one where you were just running for the concession stand to get the pickle juice yeah. because, I mean, there were kids from both teams just going down left and right with cramps. And I think it's a couple of pieces. I think um, obviously, like it was, it was cool, but out on the field in the sun at the start of the game, it was hot. And so I think what happened is a lot of our guys were, you know, they were wearing the leggings and stuff so that they were ready for later at night when the temperature dropped. Because yeah, you open up the weather app and it says it's supposed to be 55 degrees or whatever it was. It wasn't 55 degrees out there on the field at the start of the game. So I think it was just that temperature difference was enough to really kind of shock our systems. And I mean, we have a bunch of those guys that never come off the field anyways and they were cramping that that Friday night like it just came out of nowhere it was definitely it was a it was a mystery I know at halftime the first thing I did is walked in the locker room and said everybody who's wearing leggings take them off right now coach did you did you have to deal with the same battles oh yeah we had three kids go down with cramps um and and guys who need to be in every play like you said you know so getting them off the field for just one play especially against the harbor it's not a good situation well guys Best of luck to both of you. Um, we'll obviously have the game live here on rcsportscasting.com as uh, we will be in Bucktown. And I will have to talk to you here in a little bit about Internet <laughs> because that concrete press box, man, it's, it is hard to get an Internet signal. So You got it out there now. All right, awesome. I'll have to talk to you before, before you leave. But uh, the, Ryan and, and Terry Bohr and I will be there looking forward to the game. Uh, it's always great a atmosphere at Buchanan, and when when you have Brandywine, you know there it just makes it that much more special. So, best of luck to both of you, and uh, try to control yourselves, behave, and we'll see you both back here next next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. Thanks. Go Cats. So, kind of a a unique interview there.
as we uh, talk with both Brandywine and Buchanan coach at the same time. They both totally behaved themselves. That shows you what kind of a class act both these guys really are. And, and I say that, I'm not being sarcastic. I mean, as bitter of a rivalry as Brandywine and Buchanan is, you're not going to find two nicer guys that have more respect for each other than Justin Kinsey and Mark Fry. And, and so hats off to both of them. So that's going to wrap things up here for Coach's Corner for week four as uh, we'll be back here. Once again, our big thanks to Jeremy and his staff here at Wings, et cetera. The place is getting packed, getting ready for a double, uh, double whammy of Monday Night Football. We already got uh, the Panthers and the Saints going at it um, already. And then I believe it's the uh, Browns and Steelers um, kicking off here soon. They were only like an hour gap from each other. So um, great at atmosphere here for Monday Night Football and Coach's Corner. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week here on Coach's Corner on the RC Sportscasting Podcast. For the best in high school sports, RC Sportscasting.